1: It's Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260 alongside Brad Klein. I'm Cameron Izair here on this Saturday, and Brad, we have a lot to touch on regarding Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball. We have five-star review like we always have, and then we'll go to Twitter for Fizz feedback. We'll get your opinions on the topics that we talk about uh, from from Fizz Nation. And uh, why waste any time to get right into it? Because CBS Sports just came out with something, Brad, about Dino Babers. And it might seem a little disrespectful, the top 65 Power 5 coaches in the country. And Brad, guess where Babers landed? 59 on that list. Yeah, 59 out of 65 coaches. That's almost as far down as you can get for an ACC coach uh, at the very least, now, the first question is: Brad, is this disrespectful or warranted for a coach that you know had a successful season back in 2019, and since then it seems like you know it's taken a taken a downhill turn. Well, it
0: was 2018 when he made the Camping World Bowl, went 10 and three with Syracuse, but a lot of people have a very fair point when they say, "Hey, that wasn't even his team. He he just took." Another regime's players did not recruit them, Eric Dungey included, and took them to the Camping World Bowl uh, in a year when the ACC was really down. Congratulations. Bottom line: Dino Babers t- is 24 and 36 in his time on the hill. That's terrible. Huh. No one, no one can say otherwise. It's terrible. And think about how bad it would be if he didn't have the godsend of a roster he had in 2018. 59th
1: overall, I'm surprised it's that good, his rating. You're you, oh, so, so you're surprised it's that good? I, I mean, how much, low, how much lower can you get, Brad? Six spots.
0: <laughs> there are 65 teams in the Power 5, six spots. Was, I'm looking at the list right now, okay? Shane Beamer of South Carolina is rated 65th overall. He was just hired, okay, uh, to a point where this is his first year, okay? Tell me what Beamer has done to warrant... 65th overall the higher is better than 65th overall he's a top tier assistant all Dino Babers has done outside of 2018 is disappoint
1: that's it now Brad I will give this to you when I messed up the year earlier it's almost because it, it seems like that 10 and 3 season is just lost in translation. So I 100% agree with you that Dino Babers deserves to be at the bottom of the list. I mean, his resume here at Syracuse has revolved around one year where it's a Camping World Bowl win. It's not like this team, you know, made it into one of the Big Five bowls, or you know, we're talking about a group. That you know ha- has so much potential going forward in the future. So I 100% agree with you. Now I feel like 59 is a bit disrespectful. I'm not saying give Dino Baber slack. I I understand that you know after going 10 and three, and then you know you hit him with a five and seven and a one and ten, and it just seems like this team is going nowhere with the lack of recruits because it just seems like Dino Babers at this point can't recruit. I- I'm just saying. It's hard to put Dino Babers behind what a Washington State coach that just went one and three last year in a Pac 12 that really had nothing going on, or even behind an Oregon State squad that went two and five last year. So, I understand your point putting Dino Babers low on the list. I would do much of the same, but 59 out of 65, might as well just put him at 66. If you're gonna disrespect yeah. him that much, I just think that it might be a bit too low. I agree, he needs to be on the lower echelon, but Brad, fifty nine, come on.
0: It's a, it's a fit, Cameron. It's a fit because he deserved it, and I'll tell you why. Okay, after twenty eighteen, CBS ranked him twenty seventh in the preseason twenty nineteen rankings. Okay, last year he dropped to forty eighth. That's twenty one yeah. spots in one season. And now, he's down 11 more after a 1-10 in season. No surprise. No surprise. See, that's what you get. When you can't perform on the field or on the recruiting trail, that's what you get. And Dino Babers is yet to prove that he is a worthy Power 5 coach, one of the reasons that he's very much on the hot seat.
1: Cameron is there alongside Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, talking about Dino Babers ranked 59th out of the top 65 uh you know D1 coaches uh, by CBS Sports and the Power 5 coaches. So I get what you're saying. I understand he should have dropped. Do you think that it was a little much to drop Babers from that 27 spot, like you said, to 48 after a five and seven season? Because after you get to 48, there's not much leeway. There's not much room to deal with, which is why he only dropped 11 spots after one of the worst seasons that I've ever seen in Syracuse football. Do you think that that drop was a little too much?
0: Right, so that's fair. 5-7, uh, and seven, especially now after a 1-10 season, it's looking pretty good. On the other hand, that 5-7 and seven season was a bad 5-7 and seven because Syracuse went into the year with very, very... Very high hopes. If you remember, it's, it could be hard to remember, but if you remember, Tommy DeVito was the guy. I There was a time in 2018 when everyone said, okay, Dungey can have this year, he's playing well, but he's not really doing anything that Tommy DeVito can't right now, and next year is DeVito's year, and Syracuse is going to be good because of Tommy DeVito. And I, I say this a lot when I talk about Dino Babers, and I, I think that... Syracuse probably should have moved on from him before this season. And the reason is because of recruiting. And to evaluate a a recruiter, you have to look, especially at Dino Babers, look at the quarterback. Tommy DeVito is his crown jewel of recruiting. Crown jewel. That's his best recruit. And DeVito has not performed in the slightest. So when you look at the disappointment, no, I I think it almost is warranted. Also, it, it does depend on else is on the list so it's all subjective but no i think it makes sense i think cbs sports did a pretty good job here in calculating this and there are some good coaches ahead of them
1: now brad th- this might be an outlandish statement but you touched on recruiting which i'm glad you did because i was going to touch on that as well i would say 85% of why Dino Babers is at 59th out of 65, pretty much the low of the low in coaches in Power Five conferences, is because of recruiting. Do you agree with that?
0: Yes. I, yeah, it's a combination of everything. When you, when you go one in 10, your recruiting can't be that good, and it better be good to salvage your ranking.
1: Yeah, I just think that it has to all lie on recruiting at the end of the day because as much as performance matters, you're in a tough conference, you're playing in a wacky year, and you go one in ten mainly because recruits aren't there to wanna play with you. I think Babers has, you know, struggled so much with recruiting and has hung his hat on that twenty eighteen season so much that him dropping it, it almost seems like you know, he's at fault for that. You could well, say... Hold on, um, let
0: me ask you a question here. Let me ask you a question, because I think we can all agree, whether the, whether 59 is fair or not, Dino Babers is not a good coach. I agree. Okay, I think we can we could agree. Okay, is Dino Babers a bad coach because he can't recruit, or can Dino's not Dino not recruit because he's a bad coach?
1: Now, you know, that really twisted, twisted my mind here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, taking you all the way up to 10 o'clock, because... It's a statement that you really have to think about, so repeat that if you could.
0: Is Dino Babers a bad coach because he can't recruit, or can Dino not recruit because he's a bad coach?
1: I think that he's a bad coach because he can't recruit. I think okay. that after that 2018 season with you know the hype videos in the locker room and everything that came out of that, that he... You know, him being a bad coach is because he can't bring guys to him. I don't think that... Okay, let me ask you another question. Why can't he recruit?
0: I think that's one of the... And no one said so, but when you really look at it, that has to be the number one reason that they brought Dino in. A guy that was supposed to be able to relate to the players, a rah-rah guy, locker room speech, a guy that has some players in the NFL, a guy that is... Not not necessarily young, but an up and coming name in the coaching tiers and the coaching rankings, and now he hasn't been able to do that. So what has changed from his hire in twenty seventeen that has really prohibited him from recruiting?
1: It's a good question, and I'll leave you with this, Brad. And you can because you can... he could
0: never recruit. It's not like he right. recruited once upon a time and now he can't. It was never a strength of his. It was supposed to be. Never has been. Never will be.
1: I think that he's failed in the recruiting sector and that won't change. So as much as you said Baber should be gone before this season, I agree. I don't think that anyone should think otherwise, and if they do, I think they should rethink their coaching philosophy. Brad Klein is there here on the uh, here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We've talked a lot of college football Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk some college basketball because we both agree Dino Baber should be out of here for a plethora of reasons. There's one guy that is already out of here and just landed at a new destination in Quincy Guerrier. We'll be right back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, taking you all the way up to 10 o'clock alongside Brad Klein. I'm Cameron Izzera. Let's touch on some Syracuse basketball. Brad, how does that sound? Sounds good. Let's go. So Quincy Garrier, former forward here at Syracuse, and pretty much led this team at the start of the season he looked to be the linchpin of this team when buddy bayheim joe gerard was struggling early on and of course joe Girard's struggles continued buddy bayheim picked things up but now no quincy garrier here at syracuse he was going to go toward the draft process and then said i'm not coming back to syracuse if i choose to back out of the draft process and now he's finally made his decision and he's going west going to the oregon ducks in the Pac-12 first you know gut reaction to that decision of course we knew Garrier was gone from the hill but first reaction to Garrier choosing Oregon in the Pac-12
0: good choice that's probably where he should have gone in hindsight out of high school and they wanted them they wanted Quincy Garrier out of high school decided to quote unquote stay home and go to Syracuse but That was Dana Altman's running a really good program there. People say that Gary was under-recruited out of high school and underrated. He's a four-star recruit, according to 247 Sports. They gave him a 94 rating. And other schools that were looking at him, Illinois, Oregon, Arizona State, and Auburn. And he decided to go to Syracuse. So, in hindsight, it's pretty crazy that he was ever on the Hill. But now he's at Oregon. Dana Altman is a really, really good coach. And Garrier wants to go to the NBA. He thinks that Altman's going to do that for him. I agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a perfect fit for Quincy Garrier, not just to show his chops and show what he has in the college basketball world, because I feel like it was thwarted a bit when he was at Syracuse his sophomore year. It really showed what he could do. But in his freshman year, it looked like he you know, took a backseat. At Oregon he doesn't have to. You know, this is a it's a program that's lost a couple forwards in the past year. And they're getting Nathan Biddle uh as a freshman, a guy that's six eleven, that can really work well in tandem with Quincy Gary. And for a guy that's 6'7", 220, and I, I don't wanna, you know, boast the fact that I'm from the West Coast, but I've watched a lot of Pac twelve basketball in my time. Conference of Champions. To, right. Only only because I don't have to stay up till you know, 10, 30, 11 to start watching. And you're right. Bill Walton predicted that this would be a great conference for the tournament like he always does. The one year that he was, you know, even more correct than than all of us combined. But Broken this is a great wrong move. wrong
0: twice, twice a day, though.
1: <laughs> this is a great move for Quincy Garrier. Guy, yes. that's 220 pounds, like I mentioned, Brad. 6'7", he can dominate inside. And I think at Oregon, he can develop his jump shot. I so think that's, that that's the bit. biggest
0: thing, right? So for Oregon, it makes sense because they need rebounding. Last year, there were 276th in the nation in rebounding, okay? That's garbage, and Gary is going to help them there big time. The biggest thing is that Quincy Garrier needs to be able to shoot. He needs that free reign. You can check out my article on orangefizz.net about it. It's about why, why Quincy Garrier will not be returning to Syracuse and why that makes sense for him is because Jim Bayheim and his offense and his system was never going to give the ball to Garrier to create or to shoot. He'd rather have Buddy shoot. So Garrier wasn't going to get his reps from outside, and, and I think Oregon's going to allow Garrier to do that just as the price of admission for his great rebounding.
1: Right, and Brad, you mentioned the you know the idea that he needs reps at that level. This is a guy that, you know, body-wise is NBA ready in most minds, but of course he just hasn't been given that opportunity enough at Syracuse where he only proved himself for maybe half a season because he struggled down the stretch uh, uh, for the Orange. So I think that him getting reps... That is the most important thing for him, and it's a win-win because you're right. Oregon gets a rebounding force, a guy that can attack the boards, in which there's a big reason why Oregon lost to Oregon State in the Pac-12 uh, a tournament and then why Oregon State went on to have so much success. So I think that he gives Oregon another gear, and he comes with Davion Harmon, a guy that averaged 13 points a game from Oklahoma. So now you're getting a stellar point guard and a guy that can attack the boards and really do it all when he's at his best. So this is my question to you. Quincy Garrier had a pretty good sophomore season at Syracuse. He digressed a bit toward the end of the season. Is this a breakout year for Quincy Garrier that pushes him maybe into you know a possible draft scenario next season?
0: He's going to be drafted next season. It, unless he performs the way he did the last few games of the season for Syracuse last year, he's going to be drafted. Uh, how high? Which round? That all depends on him, and it all depends on Oregon. But if he can, if he can improve his shooting, you know, he was, he was a capable three-point shooter last season at just over 31%. Good in college, probably not good enough in the NBA. But if Oregon can project him as a small forward, that's key. Small forward, not a power forward, because he can't play the four in the NBA at six foot seven. If Oregon pro- can project him as a three and D small forward that can shoot, then he'll be an early, early to mid second round pick. If not, then he won't be drafted at all.
1: I agree. I actually think that this move makes it more likely that Gary gets in the first round. We yeah, were so, a lot okay, about-
0: but for him to get to the first round, he's going to have to shoot really, really well for two oh, yeah. reasons. One, he's not that good of a shooter, so he has to really prove the scouts wrong. And two, this is key, he's kind of old. That's that's the big one.
1: And, and <laughs> oh, come if, on, Brad.
0: No, no, it feels weird to say, but Quincy Guerrier was an old freshman when he came in because of the whole Canadian thing. So on top of him being now a junior... I'm trying to pull up his date of birth here. Give me a second.
1: Go right ahead. But I'm, I'm I just, looking for it. I don't it. think it matters. It has to I mean, matter. It, oh, come on. Brad, it you you're, What you're telling me is that a team will pass on Quincy Garrier, 6'7", 220. Let's say he has a breakout season because he's, what, two years older than than 21? Okay, so, he's, he's, so he's 22
0: right now. Most seniors are 22. And he's, he's going into his junior year. And he'll be 23 next season.
1: Brad, I, I mean, okay. Alongside Brad Klein, I'm Cameron. He's there here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, taking you up to 10 o'clock. Brad, I don't know what you're saying at this point. I think it's all about efficiency, what he does at Oregon, and what he can bring to that Ducks program. I don't think that age is a kicker at all. You you think that that is such a big, you know, factor that that could thwart Garrier's ability to get drafted at a high level?
0: Yeah, I think it could. I think it will. Let me put it this way, okay? Lugens Dort is a player that Garrier played with in AAU. In Montreal, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, it was Lugens Dort and Quincy Garrier. Those were the two key Montreal AAU players. Dort's been in the NBA for two seasons, and we're not even sure if Guerrier is going to be drafted next season. Okay, so, and I understand that Dort's a better player than Gary A. Always was, always will be. But, I think NBA teams do have an expiration date on that scouting report. And they're kind of scratching their head and saying, yeah, he's got an NBA body. It's not like he's Zion Williamson, by the way. six seven, 220, is dispensable in the NBA. He has an NBA body. But, when is enough enough, right? And, and I don't know... If what he offers is that rare and that indispensable, where teams are just going to say, you know what, we're going to deal with it. We're going to take Quincy Garrier.
1: Now, I will say, so Dort's 22. So I will They're say the same that, age. Dort, right, that Dort's in the NBA, Garrier's not there yet. And I still think he has a long way to go to prove himself. And, and that could take one year. With Garrier, it could really take one breakout season. So I agree with you there. But I'm going to throw something your way. Lugansdor like, averaged thing.
0: 14 points per game this year.
1: Right. If Quincy Garrier, what, what are the splits that he needs to have? You can give me specifics. You can kind of give me a ballpark because I think he there's five guys on Oregon last year average over 10 points. I think Guerrier needs to average over 15 points a game and shoot over 40% from the field and give me over eight and a half rebounds per game, which he he's definitely capable of doing in a conference in the PAC 12 where only one player in Evan Mobley did that last season. So, so I think it has to be about 15 and eight and a half, nine for him to have a good chance at, you know, peaking into the NBA. What are your stat? What's your stat? line? Okay. So Garrier? first
0: of all, that stat line would be very impressive in a new system. Do I think he can do it? Yes. I think the 40% from the field is Bush league. And you think about what Gary is and he's a below the, the rim player, when he's at his best, we can agree on that. So if he's shooting 40% from the field, something's wrong. And (laughs) something's wrong, right? At that point, he has to shoot 40% from three for that to be okay, right? Because last year he shot nearly 50% from the field. And granted, it was because most of his looks were coming from inside the paint in the low post, but something's desperately wrong if one of the best below-the-rim players in the country is shooting at forty percent. He won't be drafted at that point.
1: I think that I agree. I think that when I said forty percent, I'm really focusing on this guy helping himself in shooting the ball more. So let, 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 and, me and up think, that. let me And I think I
0: think we all agree that three point shooting is very important. And I know we're up against it here. But I think another thing is can he create his own shot? Can he create his own shot off the dribble? In the NBA it's it's an ISO league it's also a league that relies a lot on switching. So if he gets a switch in the Pac-12, can he take advantage from the three-point line on the drive? That's something that he hasn't shown at Syracuse, and I'm sure that's something that NBA scouts told him when he was talking to teams. Hey, you haven't shown us one of the most important, two of the most important things in NBA basketball. Your ability to create off the dribble on a switch and your ability to shoot. And that's on the agenda for Quincy Garrier in 2021.
1: Brad, does Quincy Garrier make an all Pac-12 team next year? Sure. I don't see
0: one. I mean, the all ACC team. And I know the Pac-12 was technically better than the ACC, but I think he could. I don't think that's crazy.
1: I agree. I think this is a prove it year for Quincy Guerrier at Oregon, and it's all about prepping for the NBA draft the, the year following or even two years following. Alongside Brad Klein, I'm Cameron Ezere here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of five star review Donovan Klingon, Kyle Filipowski, and who's coming to the Hill in 2022. five-star review five-star ride i'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews hey five stars fizz radio here on the score 1260 taking you all the way up to 10 o'clock i'm cameron he's he's brad klein and it's five star review time with the normal two it almost seems like the normal two suspects around the block where it's kyle filipowski and donovan Klingon. and let's focus on filipowski to start and you can you know mess up and and throw around his last name all you want let's just call him flip because that's the nickname that he's going by and if he comes to the hill i feel like he'll be known just as that if he does come to syracuse and at one point he will if he likes it or not because he's got his official visit in early june and brad i'm going to start with you with this syracuse is Philipowski's flips whatever you want to call him's first visit does that mean anything
0: I think it does. I think it means that Filipowski really wanted to make it a point to see Syracuse. That's the good news. The bad news is that there are going to be a lot of schools with a lot of impressive weight rooms and a lot of impressive facilities that will be going after him. Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa, Duke is his final official visit. Oh, and by the way, UConn and Northwestern will be in there too. And there are some schools that, if I'm Syracuse, I'm not necessarily scared of. Like, if, if you're shivering at the thought of Northwestern blowing a player away by their weight room, well, then it's time for some upgrades to the Mellow Center, right? But the fact that Duke is in late June could be a problem. I will say this, though. The fact that he's going in early June, when the weather should be nice, can only help Syracuse.
1: There you go. Uh, the, all the factors matter. I, I think people forget that with official visits, it's not just about the basketball program. It's about you know the ins and outs and everything that the campus offers. So I agree that that could be a positive for Syracuse. I don't think it matters that Syracuse is Flip's first official visit. Yes, it might you know add to the... Uh, if you look at Flip and, and what he's been able to do at the high school level, it might add to the fact that you know, he wants Syracuse as number one, and it's a nice thing if you're the Cuse only because, you know, he could he could have picked any school to go in early June, but I just think it's how the scheduling works. As much as I want to say that he picked Syracuse first and his first ever official visit experience, he wanted it to be the Hall of Fame coach in Jim Beheim. He wanted Syracuse. He wanted the Mellow Center, wanted the Carrier Dome. I, I think that's going a bit too far. I just think this is how scheduling works. I do think that it is a positive that Syracuse sees him early, but then again on the back end, like you mentioned, Duke sees him late, and Duke can see you two weeks before you choose to commit to a school, and you might still commit to Duke because of the pedigree. So I, I think that the updates on Flip haven't really changed, in my opinion. He's still 6'10", he still has great handles, he can still shoot the ball, and he still hasn't made a college decision. So I think wait for the summer you can of course go check out the most recent article on orangefizz.net uh, advantage or disadvantage for Syracuse to host flips first visit and that's the back end is what I want to touch on because we we talk about there could be advantages to it are are there any glaring disadvantages other than the fact that you know Iowa is awaiting on the other side Indiana revamped that program Ohio State Duke like you mentioned are there any disadvantages to Syracuse seeing or flip seeing Syracuse first?
0: Yeah, I think I think the biggest disadvantage or the biggest fear that Syracuse fans might have is that he forgets about what he saw in central New York. It's as simple as that. And and in in a weird way, I think of all the schools on this list, Syracuse is probably the second should be the second least scared about being forgotten because there's the second most distinct like duke obviously is duke so fine and then syracuse with the dome and whatever the mellow center is pretty unique there are a few things because the mellow center somewhat obviously is just for basketball most schools don't have a, a loan facility just for basketball so that's pretty unique too um i think the biggest concern is just timeline at this point and and Filipowski wants to go in early June, and, and he's basically going to see a new school, it seems like, every weekend at that point. It's a jam-packed June. And I tell you what, Filipowski, good for him. When I was looking at colleges, I used to love looking at colleges. That was that was fun for me. So Philipowski is, is going to enjoy being wooed by all these schools, and they're all going to put in a really good pitch for him because he's a four-star that, like you said, is a modern-day big. can shoot has pretty good handles, and he certainly has the frame.
1: He's a more flexible and reliable Marek Dolegi, in my opinion, with a better upside and ceiling. Now, Cameron, he's there alongside Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, taking you all the way up to 10 o'clock. Brad, did, did you was it your first uh, official visit that you enjoyed the most, or was it the last? Oh, that's a when good question. So
0: Syracuse, Syracuse <laughs> is a little different, though, because I'm a lifer here at Syracuse. I started going to central new york into syracuse games when i was five so it's hard for me to forget syracuse uh, i'll tell you what though filipowski is going to have more d- uh, more choices and more options than i did i'll leave it at that
1: really oh come on brad don't sell yourself short this guy's a you know local kid or not local kid but he has he you know the northeast roots going for him i, I think I right think San- and, and
0: i think i think that's big i think it, no one's talking about that but the fact that he's from Massachusetts and that's really Syracuse territory, especially when you compare it to the other schools on this list, Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa, Duke. I guess Duke's territory's manifest destiny here. But <laughs> still, I, I think that could only help Syracuse. And it's going to be harder for, for Flip to forget about Syracuse in this ridiculous timeline he's laid out. Because he's from Syracuse territory, that might
1: help. I also think what helps is there's a lot of new guys coming into this program. So Flip talks to not just Jim Beheim, not just Jerry McNamara. He said he already has a good relationship with them. I think talking to the newer guys and their choice to come to Syracuse. And remember, you have a a guy in Samir Torrance that is playing pretty much at home. Same with Jimmy Beheim. So there's a lot of guys that can almost entice Flip and say, hey, we came back home. And this is why. And you're already in that territory. Why not play local? And that leeways perfectly into a quick thing on Donovan Klingon because the guy that's seven one, that that is almost in the you know Zion Williamson range uh, when it comes to ability at his weight, but again, he's seven one, so that sets him apart. And I just want to touch on Klingon really quick because you can talk about Flip all you want, but Syracuse has vehemently said that the priority is Donovan Klingon. Now, obviously, his splits have shown why he averaged over 36 points and 26 rebounds in three playoff games in his past high school season. But you look at Klingon. I mean, you you look at Flip. You look at Klingon. You look at those two. If you were gonna pick one of those two, Klingon, a guy from Connecticut flip a guy from Massachusetts, pretty much both from that Syracuse territory area, who would you go with?
0: Probably go Klingon, just because Syracuse has needed a true big for so long. And I feel like Klingon gives you a better chance at revamping that center position, which has, again, been such a dire need. And I have an article about it on OrangeViz.net about the center position. I, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of coaching. I just think it's, it's a matter of recruiting, and, and I'll just touch up on it that Alan Griffin, former six foot one guard on the top of the zone, is the Biggs coach. So <laughs> it's going to be a hard sell. It, I'm sorry. and I, I, Every time I say this, I feel bad because Alan Griffin is a good coach. He is. And he deserves to be employed by the university, and he provides a lot to the team. But he's being asked to do something that he's not qualified to do. And when Kyle Fli- Filipowski or Donovan Klingon will be straining, straining their neck looking down upon Alan Griffin's bald scalp. <laughs> Kim, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When that happens, it's going to be hard for Filipowski to relate to them and to really sign on the dotted line and or Klingon, sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I will go to Syracuse so I can be the best center I can be so I can go to the NBA. That's something that Alan Griffin knows nothing about.
1: I, I think that, Klingon shouldn't just be a priority. He could be one of the best Syracuse recruits that SU has seen in the past decade. I truly believe that. You can go check out my articles on orangefizz.net. Syracuse has made Donovan Klingon's top eight. I have an article about that as well, even though I don't think it matters as much because UConn and Michigan are at at the top of the list. But I think that Klingon shouldn't just be a priority as much as I love how Flip plays. Watch out for Donovan Klingon because he could be one of the best players in college basketball come 2022 only because he is so unique in how tall he is and his ability not just in the post but outside the perimeter. It's Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260 taking you up to 10 o'clock. When we come back, we're going to get your thoughts. Fizz Nation gets you involved. We put out a couple polls on Twitter yesterday and we'll just, you know, talk a little bit about what you guys think about what we've already talked about with Babers, Garrier, and with the recruiting. Here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, inching closer and closer to that 10 o'clock mark where we're taking you up to alongside Brad Klein, I'm Cameron Izair. And it's most likely the best part of the show because we get the audience involved. Fizz Nation, we put a couple polls up on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, of course, give us a follow there. You know, it's Fizz Feedback, and it's about what we've already previously talked about in this show. And why waste any time? Because we want to get Fizz Nation involved. Brad, start us off.
0: So first things first, CBS Sports ranks Dino Babers as the 59th best coach out of 65 Power 5 head coaches. What do you think, Fizz Nation? Either that's disrespectful or fair enough. And 65% of Fizz Nation says ah, that's fair. And remember his record is garbage, right? And that's that's the number one thing is it's really hard to go and bat for Dino Babers when he's only performed in 2018 without his guys with The other regimes, guys, one win last season, in my opinion, like we mentioned before, that's fair. And at Drew Cuse, Andrew Potter out there saying that charisma and a locker room victory speech once a year can only take him so far. Consistently good and occasionally great would take him a lot farther. And Andrew, that's a good point. And Dino Babers would agree with you that he was preaching that all of last year. They can't be occasional. They have to be consistent and they have not been.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, and I like how Fizz Nation approached this, and Brad, I like how you also phrased it. Fair enough, and that's disrespectful, because we can all agree Dino Babers is underperformed, and he hasn't been that good. That's not much of a surprise. So fair enough, I completely agree with what Fizz Nation is saying. I like this 65-35, to because in a way it is disrespectful, because of everything that happened last season with COVID and the opt-outs and the injuries, but I also agree that, you know, Dino Baber shouldn't be much higher. We talked about it at the top of the show. He's has not been that good in recruiting, coaching, scheming, or all of the above. So he should be on the lower echelon of the list. So I agree with that. I 100% agree with what Fizz Nation is saying. Now, Brad, give us question two.
0: All right, so we go to the hardwood here, a guy that was compared to Quincy Guerrier or vice versa, Gary, compared it to this guy on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best. How would you evaluate O'Shea Brissett's play in tournament performance? Remember, he's a Pacer now, signed a contract with the Indiana Pacers. Good for him, but the Pacers were eliminated earlier this week. So what do you think of the way O'Shea played under the brightest lights?
1: 10, 10. I, I don't think that you can argue anything else only because I think that he was disrespected by not, you know, by playing so little on the Raptors and then dealing with the G League process. He was built for the NBA. I think the biggest thing with him was his efficiency, which really did lack at Syracuse, shooting under 40% from the field. But that's up to over 46% with the Pacers. His three-point percentage is up 9% from college. This is a guy that can average 13, 14 points a game, and he's brought something to the Pacers, which I believe is just life. The Pacers, without Oladipo, of course, now he's, you know, off on another team on the Heat. Without Karis Lavert, he's out, uh, was a late scratch in the play in tournament game. O'Shea Brissett was unbelievable. 10 for 14 from the field. This is a guy that I think was disrespected out of college. And Brad, Fizz Nation agrees.
0: Yeah, so Fizz Nation, looking at O'Shea Brissett's performance, and they like it. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, they gave 41% of, him of those. Those fans gave him a nine or 10 and 52% gave him a seven or eight. So really the vast majority, very happy with the way O'Shea is really burst on the scene with the injury bug that really bit the Pacers hard. He really capitalized.
1: Yeah. And I feel like the only reason that Fizz Nation gives, you know, the majority is seven to eight is because of the potential factor. And Brad, you can agree or disagree with me. He still has a whole, you know, uh, He has opportunities in the future, so I think, yes, giving him a 10 might be overdoing it because there's so much potential moving forward, but I'm giving him a 10. I think he deserves it.
0: They also got killed earlier this week against the Wizards in that eighth seed game. He had 10 points, and he had six rebounds, but he was minus 17. If you're into plus minus, and they lost 142 to 115, they were never really in the game beyond the first quarter. So that has to have something to do with it, but still, he played very well.
1: I think you have to focus on that first game against Charlotte. As much as you can focus on the Wizards game, and yes, it's the whole play-in tournament as its entirety, but I, I think he played so well in that first game in the playing tournament and just in the regular season in general that's why I'm giving him a 10 but yes I, I'm I'm giving him a 10 knowing that he could reach 11 and 12 which again on the scale might not really be possible but I think that Brissette has the potential to do so a yeah you Brad mentioned Klein. before
0: O'Shea Brissette was 10 of 14 he was also the Pacers leading scorer the game's leading scorer tied with McCall rather Miles Bridges excuse me with 23 points five rebounds, couple of assists, and if you're into plus-minus, in that Hornets game, he was plus-27. There
1: you go. That's a recipe for success. Brad Klein, Cameron, he's there. Last one here on Fizz Feedback on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad, just throw it out.
0: So we're talking about Kyle Flapowski. We're talking about Donovan Klingon. We'll focus on Klingon here because I think we both agree that if we had our choice— it would be Klingen, seven foot one versus six foot ten, true center that can also shoot. Is Klingon the answer to Syracuse's big man troubles? Yes or no? And Fizz Nation, seventy-five percent of them says absolutely yes.
1: Brad, can I say yes enough? I don't know if I can say yes for the next two, three minutes taking you up to 10 o'clock because Donovan <laughs> Klingon is by far the answer to Syracuse's big man troubles. He's the answer to every you know school in the country's big man troubles if they have it. Syracuse hasn't had a stable big man in such a long time, and by stable, I mean one that they can rely on for scoring and playing defense and blocking shots and doing all of the above. Donovan Klingon can release pressure off of the guards, a guy like Kamari Lands that just wants to focus on what he wants to focus on. So Klingon is definitely the answer to Syracuse's big man troubles.
0: I will say this, though. Is it crazy to say this, that Donovan Klingon is only the answer to Syracuse's big man troubles if he succeeds in the NBA?
1: In, not in college. Are you saying college as well, or just the NBA?
0: College, well, he's going to have to succeed in college to get right. to the NBA, and I think... For for young high school recruits to see a big man from Syracuse succeeding in the NBA, that might just completely change the landscape for Syracuse basketball recruiting in the middle.
1: I 100% agree. And that's a point that I never thought of. And Brad, I'm glad you brought it up because that adds another layer to what Donovan Klingon can bring to the Syracuse program. So I completely agree with you. One last thing, Brad Klingon. 7 1. He'd be walking around campus like an absolute giant. If you ran into him, what's the first thing you say?
0: Oh, man. Uh, can I ride piggyback on your back <laughs> on the quad? I'm sick and tired of my roommate and you, Cameron Ezere, for making fun of my height. Okay, with Donovan Klingon, it would be
1: no problem. Well, Donovan Klingon still has his decision to make if he comes to the hill, but if he does, you might see him and Brad. Uh, you know, becoming friends in the near future. This has been Fizz Radio on the Score 1260 up to 10 o'clock. Make sure to check out our articles on orangefizz.net. We'll be right back here on the Score 1260 next Saturday from 9 to 10. But for now, for Brad Klein, I'm Cameron Ezere. We'll see you in a bit.